and welcome to another episode of I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate Me, a Sex and the City review podcast from two series first timers. I'm your host, Megan, here with my co-host, Kristen. Hi. And this week we'll be recapping, reviewing, and rating season two, episode 11, Evolution. Friendly reminder to all of our listeners that we do go very deep into these episodes and there will 100% be spoilers. So if you don't want to know what happens, we recommend pausing, watching the episode, and then returning to the podcast. We have some exciting news this week. We have our very first special guest, Iggy. Iggy, welcome to the podcast. Iggy and I have known each other for a few years now, and we used to work together while I was in New York and he's in Manila. Iggy, please also let us know what your relationship with Sex in the City is and any thoughts you have on New York. Thanks so much for getting me on the podcast, Kristen, Megan. I'm really looking forward to sharing my thoughts about the series. Megan and I have worked together a couple of years, but at the same time, aside from her being based in New York and like doing all of those other things. I also took her around Vanilla while she was here and I made her take like some of the worst public transportation ever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in terms of my relationship with Sex and the City, the title of your series is actually right on the money because in my communications degree, my professor talked about a certain anecdote of a certain episode in Sex and the City. And then I raised my hand and said, post it. Because I could have a lot of stories and I think we could end up like using up the entire hour talking about my relationship (laughs) with Sex and the City. But I think like that's the one that's most apropos, detailed or how specific my relationship is. So yeah, looking forward to sharing my thoughts with that. So Iggy, it sounds like like one might describe you as a super fan. Somewhat, yeah. Okay. Like when, when Magnolia Bakery opened here, like I knew I had to try it. So, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. You definitely know more about like Sex in the City than Kristen and I do because we are watching it for the first time. That's our whole shtick. So we're excited to have an expert on with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, Iggy, what about like New York? I'm not sure you've ever been to New York, but do you have any like thoughts about it? Perceptions? Yeah, I've never been to the continental United States or anywhere outside of Asia for that matter. But I think growing up in the Philippines, you have a very Americanized way of seeing things. You know, people want to own cars and we watch a lot of like American television. What my college friends and I have thought of when it comes to their relationship with New York and the city, it's like, okay, you think about New Yorking, whatever it is in the city. So when we take the train, we feel like, okay, maybe we're taking a subway. Or when we go out to restaurants, it's like, oh, this is like a New York feeling. And now that Manila is actually growing up and you have to make a reservation now to go to a restaurant, does feel like a developing city like Manila has some parallels that New York has. Totally. No, that's a great comparison. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think out of all of the Asian cities I've been to, it's very much like Hong Kong, where people are rude, you know, they will bump at you and the transportation okay. is good. So New I York is it. like Hong Kong. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do see, think I it's like okay. an Asian Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, okay. York, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, before we get started, let's do our highs and lows for the week. So Iggy and Kristen, how were your weeks and what were your highs and lows and who were you channeling? And Iggy, since you are our guest, we will let you go first. Okay. For highs, I'd like to think that the week has been pretty good. So last Sunday was my birthday and I just turned 31. <laughs> I didn't count to one, but the, there's foreshadowing there. But like, if I could just jump a little bit on like what my character is, because that's very apropos. I, I kind of feel like it's a very Miranda 
week because both okay. my highs and lows are happening. Meaning, you know how Miranda's character, like her reservations are always off. Things happen like on the way in the logistics of her life. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, she has a lot of like stability. Like her friends are loyal to her. She has Steve by her side. So those things are like melding up. And I'd like to think that the highs are the people. The okay. lows are the logistics. And the character that I am channeling right now is definitely more from Miranda than anyone else. All right. Nice. I love that. A very analytical answer. <laughs> Overall, just in the grand scheme of yourself, which character do you think you're, you most are? When I was younger, I was very much a Samantha because I kind of feel like I'm, I'm the friend that will drop a line to, to everyone. An example is like, we had a boss before his name was Moses. And then one of our coworkers said like, oh, you know, cr- Moses is my crush. And I told her, oh, you want Moses to part your Red Sea, huh? So, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, that is a Samantha. That's right? a very Samantha right? comment. Yeah. Yeah, but growing up, how I deal with my partners, how I feel like I'm a very cynical person in general, I kind of feel like the Miranda is coming through and there's a resurgence in people liking Miranda now. So I kind of feel like I'm on that wave as well. Uh, my highs and lows this week, I had just a pretty good week in general. I got to see some friends who I haven't seen in a while. I have a lot of little projects that I'm working on that is very fulfilling, even though I don't really have that much time to do them. Just thinking about like fun things I'm going to do and be creative totally. uh, makes me very happy. Lows, it's just really hot in New York and yeah. walking around and being outside is hot. And the heat has gotten in the subway. So my hair is just always sweaty, gross. And then as far as channeling, I was trying to think of who the most creative one is. And I guess it is Carrie because she is a writer. I don't think she's a good writer from what we've seen, but I'm going Carrie this week. All right. We love that. We love that. What about you, Megan? Oh my goodness. Well, not to like do a cop out, but I feel like my high is that we finally have Iggy on the show this week. I... I have been so excited for this. And I think this is such a great episode for you to be on. I I know we like let you pick the episode you wanted to be on. And then I watched it and I was like, this is like the perfect one for Iggy. Like I'm so excited. (laughs) So I'm sure that was intentional on your part, but great choice. And then per usual, just having cats is a high for me right now because I'm just kind of not having a great time in life. And then Lowe's, I kind of alluded to this. I feel like everything in my life right now has just been like a little more difficult than it needs to be. And I've just been not having a great time. And it's kind of funny. I was talking to my therapist yesterday and she was like, yeah, you're in the middle of an existential crisis. And I was like, oh shit, she's right. I guess I am. So that's like just going to be an ongoing low and nothing crazy happened. Just evaluating things in my life to a certain degree. Well, that's not always a bad thing too. It's not. It's one of those things, right? Where I feel like in the end, you got to do the work. It's but- really good. Like yeah. you come out better for it, but it's Definitely. hard in the process. Okay. So for character of the week, I am channeling Samantha. And that is because I'm ashamed to say this listeners at a point of weakness sometime this week, I did text my ex. You did. I know. I know. Um. I know. I'm a dumb bitch. I get it. No, uh, 
as we as we will learn it happens to even the best of us it happens to the best of us i'm blaming the stars something is going awry but just because of samantha's storyline this week i was like yeah i'm a samantha this week just any interactions with the ex feel like a samantha thing for this week cool that's it for me kristen do you want to jump into research yes so this is season two it's episode 11 it's called evolution it originally aired august 15th 1999 and this episode has an imdb rating of 7.3 which is a little bit lower than average for this season it was written by cindy shupak uh this is a repeat writer i think she's done one episode previously we have a new director who is a woman pam thomas pam doesn't have too long of a resume she did sex in the city and an episode of desperate housewives she was also a producer on snl but otherwise there's not too much else for guest stars we have john shay he plays dominic samantha's ex He is known for playing Blair's dad in the original Gossip Girl, and he has bit parts in Law and Order and Blue Bloods and those kind of shows. He also played Lex Luthor in the 90s show Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and he's had recurring roles in Mutant X and Agent X, which are two completely unrelated series, but have an X in them. So that's interesting. We also have Dan Futterman. He plays Charlotte's love interest, Stefan. He has had some guest roles for a few episodes in Will and Grace. He had an ongoing role in Judging Amy. He was in the movie The Birdcage with Robin Williams. He also is the producer on the HBO show In Treatment and the movie Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then finally, we have Harry O'Reilly. He plays Miranda's date. He has recurring roles in Oz and the Ben Stiller show. And then just a lot of other bit parts, not too much of a resume. And that's pretty much all we have for guest stars this week. I think we are ready for the recap, Megan. All right. Thank you, Kristen. So the episode opens with Miranda at the gynecologist. She's like in the little stirrup things. The doctor asks Miranda while she's examining her, do you need a new birth control prescription? Miranda's like, no, I actually kind of jumped the gun on that one. And she just kind of starts oversharing a bit. And she's like, now that I'm single and I've broken up with Steve, the man that I went on the pill for, I don't want to be regularly reminded that I'm not having sex all the time. So the doctor's like, well, the good news is I got your test results back and everything looks good. The only thing is that you have a lazy right ovary that is no longer producing eggs. And I'm not sure if that's a medical term, but Miranda is alarmed to hear this. And she's like, are you sure it's not just on strike? So a while later, the gals are at lunch and Miranda is just sharing her woes. She says her right ovary has given up hope that she will ever get married and have children. And it's like working on a case that you know is going to settle out of court. It's a waste of time. Why bother? And she's like, I'm a biological underachiever, which is ironic because this right ovary went to Harvard, which you know how it is with the Ivies. They got to drop it all the time. But anyway, Samantha asks Miranda, oh, do you like your gynecologist? Like I'm looking for a new one. And Miranda's like, well, not right now. I don't. And Samantha's like, well, at least it's a woman. Like I've tried to have a male gynecologist and I just like 
cannot do that. It doesn't feel normal to have a man spending all that time down there. And then you leave without an orgasm. So Carrie's like, all right, gals, I have to go, but let me get the bill, which, okay, Carrie, we see you. As she's going to get her wallet out, she like accidentally pulls out the song underwear and Miranda makes a joke. She's like, hmm, I don't think they're going to accept that as payment here, Carrie. And Carrie's like a little bit embarrassed. And then she's like, oh, sorry, I'm going to Biggs after this. And like, I'm spending the night. Samantha's like, well, wait a second. Like you guys have been together this long and you still don't have a drawer at Biggs. And Carrie's just like, listen, Big is weird about stuff. And Miranda's like, yeah, duh, he's a man. Like they're always weird about stuff. You just need to start putting stuff in there. Like don't even bother asking permission. And then Samantha has very wise advice. She's like, well, why don't you just talk to Big about it? And obviously that's not an option. <laughs> well, obviously she is not going to do that. <laughs> Carrie's like, eh, I think it's best to just not push it. And Charlotte's like, yeah, you're totally right, Carrie. You just like shouldn't leave stuff at Bigs. And, but it's not for the same reason that Carrie's saying that she so- shouldn't. Charlotte is basically like, you shouldn't leave stuff at Bigs because you have to create an air of mystery. And once you start doing that, the mystery is gone. Samantha's like, eh, I actually never leave underwear at a guy's house because I know that I will never see it again because she does a lot of one night stands and things. So they're kind of still chatting. And then Charlotte shares one time I was like with this guy and I actually found another woman's underwear in the bed. And Miranda's like, oh man, recently I found a hair scrunchie from the eighties in Steve's bathroom. And I don't know what's worse. The fact that he dated someone else before me or the fact that she wore that scrunchie and Carrie's like, I don't actually think it's that weird, you know, like to like keep having stuff from exes in our, in your apartment. Like half of my music collection is like stuff from former boyfriends. And Charlotte's like, oh, interesting. Like I actually always just give that stuff back. And Carrie's like, nah, not me. I consider these things parting gifts. And so Samantha's kind of joking. She's like, yeah, they're sexual souvenirs. And Miranda is like, yeah, I want a souvenir shirt that says I dated a bartender and all I got was this lousy ovary. And the girl is just kind of like, look at her awkwardly. And Samantha gives her an awkward pat on the shoulder. And I just felt like they were not very supportive supportive. The next morning, Carrie's at Big's place. She's getting ready. She's blow drying her hair with this like tiny little travel blow dryer. And for whatever reason, it's got like squatted on the floor. Like when I saw it the first time, I was like, that's weird. And then I rewound and I was like, no, that cord is perfectly long enough for her to stand in front of the mirror. So I was Big like, it's weird about women standing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must crawl in his apartment. <laughs> I was kind of reading it as like, oh, because they're talking about evolution. They're trying to like make it like, you know, that chart you see like from yeah. like man walking on like fours. I really to hope like that's upright. what it was because that's a really funny explanation. But anyway, we digress. So as Carrie's blow drying her hair, she starts thinking maybe the things that people leave behind become these like archaeological relics of their sexual history. And because of that, she's like, well, I should be able to leave something at Biggs now while like while we're still together. And she's like, whatever, I'm just going to go for it. Kind of taking Miranda's advice on this. And so she starts small, like with the travel hair dryer, and then she gradually adds more things. We see a scene of Carrie brushing her teeth while Big is looking for something in the cabinets. And then he sees all Carrie's stuff and he's like, mm, okay, and looks a little concerned. And then Carrie narrates that man may have created fire, but woman discovered how to play with it. So meanwhile, Charlotte's out for a night on the town with a male friend. She's tired of all of the Neanderthals that she's been dating. So she's decided to spend time with a gay friend and pastry chef named Stefan who caters parties at her gallery. 
And I'm just realizing this now, but they obviously use the term Neanderthal in this because of the topic of evolution. The subtlety of the writing is really impressive. You know, anyway, we see Stefan and Charlotte walking together down the street. He's very handsome, but very liberal with his like hand movements and gestures in a way that some may describe as effeminate. They're talking about how great Betty Buckley is. They just gone to like one of her shows or a play or something. And so she is the cat's pajamas and Charlotte laughs. And she's like, why do people even say that? And he's like, I don't know. We should make up our own thing. Like the dog's tuxedo. It's kind of like a fun moment. So they're at the end of their evening and Charlotte's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me. And he's like, no, thank you. And so he's like, yeah, like, do you want to grab a coffee or something before you go home? And she's like, nah, I got to head home. And he's like, all right, well, I'll get you a cab. And he's not super successful at it. She makes a joke. Like I got to show a little leg to, to get a cab. And it's just kind of like a fun exchange. And then he opens the door for her and he like pulls her in for a kiss and she is very confused because she thought he was gay so the next evening the gals are all together at a bar and charlotte is telling them all of the details of the state she's like i'm so confused i thought he was gay but like then he kissed me so maybe he's straight and carrie's like listen charlotte it is not that simple anymore he could either be a gay straight man or a straight gay man and a gay straight man is a straight man who with overexposure to all the refined influences and culture of the city has some gay qualities while a straight gay man by samantha's definition is a man who plays sports but won't fuck you (laughs) and miranda's like i mean it has to be a gay straight man he asked charlotte out for another date and charlotte's like well i didn't even realize the first time was a date i was wearing my tiny glasses and like i didn't even wash my hair but carrie's kind of like well be careful he could actually be a straight gay man who's in denial and is trying to be a gay straight man and all of it's just very confusing so as the conversation's continuing to happen, Miranda takes out some pills and Samantha looks over and she's like, ooh, are those recreational? This drink is not quite enough. And Miranda's like, calm down. These are just hormones. We are trying to jumpstart this lazy ovary. It's like they keep on establishing Miranda and her lazy ovary, but they're not supportive of her. I would be more supportive of my friends. if Yeah, like she says that and then no one asks any questions or anything else. And then yeah. we just go, straight to Carrie interjecting hey isn't anybody gonna notice my purse Obviously. she did interrupt that conversation yeah. to be like look at my purse didn't she yeah. listen Ooh. it's the Carrie show it's the Carrie show we know that so anyway the gals are all like that is such a cute purse is it new and she's like no it's actually not new but it is tiny and panty free and she shares that she has started leaving things like hairbrushes, a hairdryer, razors, tampons, and eye makeup remover at Big's place. And the girls are like, wow, I can't believe you're doing that. And then she's like, well, that's not the only thing I left at Big's place. And then she divulges that she took a deuce at Mr. Big's place for the first time. And I don't know, I'm a child. I find bathroom humor very funny. And Charlotte is absolutely horrified at this. Samantha, for whatever reason, is like all in and she gives Carrie a high five, which was so funny to me. It's more support for the pooping than it was for Miranda's lazy ovary. You know, that's totally right. So Carrie says that she thinks that it's a good sign that she was able to take a number two at Big's place because it means that she's comfortable enough with him to do that. And Charlotte's like, that's actually not a good sign because it means that the relationship is like losing the romance. Miranda's like, 
Uh, I don't know. I think it's actually kind of a big deal. I was like once in a pretty long relationship with a guy where I never did that. And we even went on vacation together in Bermuda and I went to the lobby, the hotel lobby to use the bathroom. And Carrie's just kind of like, yeah, bathrooms are a tough issue here in New York. The apartments are small. They usually only have one bathroom and the walls are paper thin. Like you can literally hear everything. And Samantha's basically like, um, well, that's the reason I only date rich guys. So in the middle of this conversation, the bartender comes over and kind of interrupts with a drink. And he's like, Hey, that guy at the end of the bar sent this over to Samantha. And Samantha's like, Ooh, interesting, intrigued. And she looks over and to her horror, it is this man named Dominic, who is a publishing magnate. And it is revealed that he is the first and only man that Samantha has ever really loved. And the only man that has also ever broken her heart because he left her for an Icelandic model named Anka. So according to the tabloids, Dominic and Anka are in the middle of a very messy divorce. He lifts his glass up to Samantha across the bar and Samantha's like, "Mm, okay, well, I'm going to go over there. And Miranda's like, remember what he did to you? And she's like, whatever, it's ancient history. I've evolved past him and I'm the one with the power now. So she walks over. A while later, Carrie's back at her place and Big knocks on the door. She lets him in and they have like a cute little exchange. He hands her a Barney's bag. And she's like, ooh, like, what did you bring me? Obviously thinking it was a gift. And he's just like, oh, it's just some stuff that you left over at my place. She obviously is very deflated by this and says, thank you. And then she's like thinking about it. And then she's like, I have to say something. Actually, like, I meant to leave this stuff at your place. And he's like, well, why? She's like, I don't wake up every morning looking the way I do. I have to do things in the morning to like actually make that happen. And it would be really nice if I didn't have to carry those things around all day like a nomad and I could just have some stuff at your place. It's just a few things. I don't see why it's like a big deal. And like, you can, you can leave stuff at my place too. He's like, I don't want to leave anything. And it kind of leads to the conversation where she just finally asks, listen, what is your ideal living situation for two people in a relationship? And he's like, honestly, my ideal is what we have right now. Like we each have our own place. We see each other when we want to, as much as we want to. And then we get space when we need it. And Carrie's like, Got it. So like Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. And he's like, yep, pretty much before SUNY, which eek, not a cute reference. And then Carrie narrates that ever since Woody Allen waved to Mia Farrow across the park, men have been yearning for a similar separate togetherness ever since. Is that a reference to a specific movie? Like no, personal life. that was, yeah, they were married, but they still had separate apartments. We know because he was a predator and yep. probably couldn't be left alone with so, children. Okay. She had a lot of kids that she like adopted and stuff. So that oh, was, I, he did an interview where he said like the most romantic thing is being able to wave at Mia across the park from our separate apartment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds correct. We then hear her thesis for the week, which is our New Yorkers evolving past relationships. Samantha's basically just like, honestly, we've evolved beyond like like needing men and Carrie's like, well, yeah, but like, don't you still want one? And Samantha's like, girl, I want more than one. And Carrie responds that like, she can't tell if Samantha represents the future or the demise of women. And Samantha's like, obviously the future. And then she's like, after reconnecting with Dominic last night, it made me realize how in a previous life I was so like needy. And when I saw him last night, I could just really see how far I've come. And she's like, I'm actually going to see him again, like this weekend. And Carrie's like, why? Like why it took you so long to get over him? He treated 
be like shit, which is, you know, very ironic coming from Carrie, but okay. And Samantha is like, this is different. I have a plan for revenge. I'm going to make Dominic want me. And then just as things are about to get steamy, I'm going to drop him. And I have a perfect dress for the occasion. So we cut to Samantha and Dominic on this date. They're getting seated at the restaurant. He's like, Samantha, you're more beautiful than ever. And you're just so incredibly successful now. And Meanwhile, I'm just getting gray hair and Anka's taking me for everything that I have. And Samantha's just very charmed by him. Meanwhile, Charlotte is on another date with Stefan, still very unsure of his status. They're staying in and he's cooking for her and he's wearing this very bright, like green floral shirt, cooking a Martha Stewart recipe. And she's like, wow, I just like you have fantastic taste. This is literally my fantasy kitchen. And then he's like, this is my fantasy. And he comes over and they like start making out. And when they stop kissing, he's like, Ooh, is this dress by, I forget which designer, but some specific designer. And Charlotte is a little startled. And then she's like, yeah, it is. And her confusion continues. We cut back to Samantha and Dominic. They're back at her place. They're making out. And Samantha's like, the plan originally was that she was going to leave him as soon as she got that from him for revenge. But then she gets carried away and decides to have sex with him anyway and says, you know, she's been planning this revenge for years. What's a few more hours? The next morning, Samantha calls Carrie and she asks how things with Dominic went. And Samantha's like, well, I slept with him. And Carrie's like, that was not part of the plan. And Samantha's like, well, there's a new plan now. She wants him to see what she's missing. And she's like, I remember him being like this exceptional lover, but now I know that I'm better in bed than he is. They hang up the phone and Carrie narrates that for Samantha to adapt to 20 years of dating in New York, she's evolved into a hybrid of a person that has the attitude and ego of a man, but she's trapped in a woman's body. Charlotte is still like not convinced that Stefan is straight and she's like very concerned about it. So she brings Carrie and Stanford to the bakery so they can meet him and give their input on whether he's gay or not. Stefan brings out some desserts and she introduces them. He sees Carrie and recognizes her from her article and is like, oh, you changed your hair. Like it used to be like, you know, flowy and body esque which was such a funny description. And he's like, all right, well, I have to go back to the kitchen but like I brought these treats for you tell me what you think and he gives Charlotte like a kiss on the forehead and once he leaves she's like all right like what do you guys think and Sanford's like well I find him very attractive so obviously that means he's straight and not only that he's also head over heels for you Charlotte like he's so sweet to you and Charlotte's like well what if he's gay and he doesn't know it yet and Sanford's like please like that is not a thing like I knew as a child that I was gay. Carrie then asks, well, you know, how is he in bed? And Charlotte's like, well, I don't know. Like he wants to sleep together, but like I haven't slept with him yet. (laughs) Stanford's basically just like, it is just not fair that all the good guys are straight, even the gay ones. That night, Miranda goes on a date with a guy named Joseph from the law firm. He's had his eye on her for a while, and she finally decides to entertain him as an option because she's like, I got this lazy ovary. I can't really be too picky. And we learned that he was recently like very bald, but has gotten hair plugs. And so they're, they're sitting at dinner. The hair plugs, frankly, don't look very good. And Miranda's staring at them, and he kind of catches her, and he's like, you're looking at my forehead, aren't you? And he's like, no, it's fine. And he's just very very forthright about the whole thing. And he's like, oh, you must think that I'm crazy. Like, I never thought I'd be the kind of guy to do this. And she's like, actually, I think you just seem really happy. Miranda's like, yeah, you know, I've kind of been thinking about stuff I've never been 
considering before now too. And he's like, oh, what's an example? And she's like, well, I don't know if you really want to know. And he's like, no, come on, tell me. And she's like, all right, well, I recently found out that I have a lazy ovaries. So I've started taking hormones and I'm thinking about freezing my eggs. Yeah, you know, it takes the pressure off of it. Like I'm still single. The future's uncertain and, you know, the clock is ticking. And Joseph's like, honestly, I think that's a terrible idea. This raises a lot of other issues beyond just like giving you more options. And then it's like clearly just like this sexist, hypocritical view, right? He's like, listen, like if we let people do this, there's just going to be desperate women in their 50s having babies one day. And if women are having fertility issues, that's natural selection. Like they just shouldn't be having kids. And this is just like super unnatural. And why don't we just eliminate men altogether? And Miranda is outraged rightfully at this. She says, listen, I'm not going to listen to a lecture on abusing science from a man who is doing crop rotations on his forehead. And Carrie narrates that after that night, Miranda decides to go off the hormones, not because of her conversation with Joseph, but I think she just has a little bit more perspective where she's like, I'm only 33. I still have the left ovary. I'm not ready to settle out of court yet. The same night, Charlotte is at Stefan's place and she has decided that She's going to stop trying to figure out his orientation and just go for it. But then they're making out and Cher's playing in the background and Charlotte stops him before things get too far. And she's like, hey, like, have you ever slept with a man before? And he's like, no. Have you slept with a woman? And she's like, no, I'm just like asking because I'm getting some gay vibes. And he's like, listen, I'm a 33-year-old pastry chef who lives in Chelsea. If I wanted to be gay, I wouldn't hide it. I'm not gay. And Charlotte accepts us. And then they have sex. And it's like a pretty steamy sex scene, I will say. So the next morning, we cut back to Samantha. She's in bed with Dominic again. She's starting to realize that maybe her desire for revenge is not as strong as she thought it was. And she's starting to fall for Dominic again. They're kind of cuddling in bed and she rolls over and he's like, oh, you're so incredibly beautiful. I'm really going to miss you. Samantha's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm going to try and work things out with Anka. It's like mostly for financial reasons, but that's what I'm doing. Samantha's clearly very upset because it's a repeat of last time. She was like, no, like you can't do this to me. I was going to do this to you. And he's like, all right, I should probably go. And she's like, get out, like get out. And he's like, listen, I already said that I'm leaving. Calm down. And she's like, stop beating me to the punch. Carrie narrates that Samantha just kind of realizes she could never have done what Dominic did because she's not evolved beyond the point of having feelings. And that is actually a good thing. Back in Chelsea at Stefan's place, Charlotte wakes up and Stefan's in the kitchen. He's in the process of making a very fancy breakfast. Charlotte's like, oh my gosh, if we keep dating, you're going to make me gain 10 pounds. And he's like, well, even if that happens, you'd still be gorgeous. And then they all of a sudden hear like some squeaking in the background. And Charlotte's like, what is that? And Stefan realizes like, oh my gosh, it must be the mouse trap. And they turn around and we see that there's a mouse just like stuck in a glue trap. And they are both just hysterical at this. They like are screaming. They're kicking the mouse back and forth at each other. Stefan puts this big metal funnel thing over it and like jumps up on a chair and is like, ah! 
just like still very scared. It's a chinois. It ensures that like your soups and stocks are like, you know, flawless and clear and like none of your liquids become gritty when you're cooking. I didn't even yeah. know it Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it sounds so gay. That's yeah. fine, Eggie. So, you are who so- you are. And Charlotte was just completely turned off by the whole situation and what I think we can assume she perceives as a lack of masculinity from Stefan. And she realizes that her masculine side is not as evolved as Stefan's highly evolved feminine side. And it's just not going to work for her. So Carrie spends the night at Big for the first time since having her things removed. She gets up and Big asks, where are you going? And like tries to pull her back to bed. And she's like, well, I'm going home because that's where my hairdryer is. And he's like, well, I like your hair like that. And she starts packing up her stuff to leave. It's like not an angry exchange. It's kind of cute and flirty, like not a big deal. And then as she's packing her stuff up, she opens one of his drawers to find something and she finds a photo of them together with his arms around her in there and she's like very taken by this and suddenly feels better about the fact that even though her stuff isn't there like she's clearly on his mind so then she's like all right I'll come back to bed for like just a minute but I'm keeping my underwear here he asks if the underwear is clean and she slingshots it over to him and it hits him in the face and then they laugh and then they get back into bed and cuddle and Carrie says it was a small step for mankind but a big step for big and that is the end of the episode Iggy and Kristen, what did you think? I really liked the episode because definitely as a gay gay man, like I have something to say about it. But I guess one of the things that stuck around is the sex scene with Cher playing in the background. (laughs) Yeah, that was really funny. (laughs) And I know this is not like a relevant side story, but when I was a kid and Believe came out, I thought Cher was a drag queen. That's a fair assumption. Yeah. Almost drag queen like. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, she's a biological woman, but. She's a drag queen. Totally. I think that's like, I think that's her whole thing. Like, I don't even think she would be offended if someone's Right. No, I don't think she would either. The kids would call it a bio queen. That's the term right now. Cool. All right, Iggy, you're keeping us young. I, I had no idea. Kristen, what did you think of the episode? You know, as an episode, I found it actually pretty enjoyable to mm-hmm. watch. I absolutely hated the ending, though. What? No! Carrie, no! That's what I put in my notes. I put Carrie is snooping again. What? Multiple question marks. No! You know, I guess it is snooping, but I didn't actually... I didn't really think it actually... Yeah. She was, she was like, looking through a drawer to make I guess she had put something in there at some point yeah 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 but the idea that you just want to like not have to carry around your mini hairdryer and all of your things to stay at your boyfriend's and he won't let you he doesn't even give a reason other than he doesn't want that and then she's oh he has a picture of me hidden in a sock drawer so it's all okay no it's not okay that was not my reaction to that at all actually (laughs) really yeah like my thought was I just like lean towards more of Big's preferences generally. Like I do like having my own space. I don't want other people's shit in it. I get it. That said, I don't think I would draw as hard of a line as he did. You know, we talk about this all the time. That's the point of the show, right? Like all of these situations are meant to be relatable, but they're exaggerated because it's TV and like that's the right. best way to kind of tell the story. I think he has a lot of shitty qualities. I don't actually have a problem with that one. Really? 
Yeah, because I'm the same way. Like, I, I literally don't want people shit at my place. Like, please take it. This is my curated home with my things. If you're like, I want to mostly stay at my place, but you can't leave anything. I mean, in this episode, though, we see them in both places. You know what I mean? So, like, I think the implication here is that they had that conversation previously. Like, they right. are actually splitting their time. But like I said, I would not draw a hard line like Big did, where I'm like, no, you can't leave anything. But like... I wouldn't want anyone getting carried away, which I think Carrie actually was because she just was leaving stuff without even asking him. And I think that was the first problem. Someone leaves something on accident, right? But if you're finding it in your drawer or like in your cabinets, that's obviously intentional. I would not. But if you love somebody, wouldn't you want them to be happy and comfortable at your place? Yeah, but I would want them to ask. Well, okay. They never even like got to that. They just asked like, what is your ideal living situation? And he's like, my ideal living situation is what we have. Mm -hmm. He never at any point is like, no, you can never leave stuff at my apartment. That's true. I think that's the point of like the underwear thing because like, obviously that's a smaller scale thing, but it's meant to represent the bigger picture. I feel like when she flicks the underwear over at him, I thought that was the implication. They are going to find like a happy medium. I kind of feel like both of you like a very valid point because, you know, we're women of a certain age and we we want our places to be kept a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I do think like, you know, having a partner like you kind of have to have at least half a drawer for them right and just like make that as a standard so with the ending what i find is like i actually like the ending but i would have preferred an ending where she actually got a drawer if she got a drawer and you know god like you know they can actually afford things and he can afford a drawer exactly (laughs) it's like this is your drawer just keep everything in your drawer and i'll never have to look at it or use it yeah but what i'm saying is He never actually said no. She just started putting stuff there instead of asking him. Right. So I'm cutting big a little slack this episode. Yeah. I do want to say something about that photo thing. Because I kind of feel like photos are important because if you keep it, it means something. And that happened to me with my ex where we got back together recently. He kept my photo through the two and a half years we haven't been together. And that kind of feels still nice you know by the end of the day yeah no I I totally get that I just feel like it wouldn't have been as big of an issue if Carrie had just asked him in the last couple of episodes he's been receptive to those kind of things I mean how many of Carrie and Big's dramas are because she just can't use her words that's like, exactly it. Ever have a conversation about that's anything. exactly it. And you are right about that. So that's why I actually liked the way they dealt with the conflict in this episode. There's two things that I really like. One is that it didn't feel like such high stakes this time around. And this kind of ties into the second part. I feel like the reason it doesn't feel like high stakes is the same reason why she's comfortable doing a number two at his apartment, right? Which is she now feels comfortable with him when her plan doesn't work, which was a stupid plan. She should have just talked to them to begin with. She does actually just have a conversation with him and say, listen, like I'm meant to leave that stuff there. I feel like we are seeing, for lack of a better term, evolution in this relationship. Tie it all together. Yeah. They're actually talking about this shit instead of Carrie letting it fester and her like creating this all or nothing mentality about it. I want to jump to Charlotte's storyline. What did you each 
think of Stefan? I thought he was actually pretty handsome. I feel like a lot of the guys we see on the show are kind of like meh. The way that I thought of it is like, okay, like he could play John John Kennedy in a Lifetime movie. Mm -hmm. That's what I <laughs> He is that kind of like handsome in a classic way, but also not like super handsome. He's like the yeah. budget John. He's like, <laughs> no, he's like approachably handsome is what right. I like yeah. to call it. I thought um, it was very charming the way he was afraid of the mouse. Like if I was dating somebody like that, they'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, all right, I guess I got a woman up and be in charge of the mouse. I thought he was so sweet to Charlotte, mm -hmm. clearly prioritizing her, making her these nice treats, being nice to her friends. And, and they like clearly have really good sex. I think they are the best match that we've seen yeah. for anyone for Charlotte. Yes. And then she breaks up with him over a fucking mouse. Are you kidding me? I was like, furious with Charlotte. I was like, you deserve to be lonely. <laughs> she likes him until this mouse thing happens. And then she's like, oof, no, he's not masculine enough. What is more masculine than being so confident about your sexuality that he doesn't have to repress anything? He could be scared of a mouse. That's fine. We just saw in the last episode that Steve had to break up with Miranda because of toxic masculinity. Like I, yes, yeah. Kristen, I didn't even think of that. And that is such a good fucking point. Ugh. He's like the opposite of toxically masculine. Yeah. And she's just like, nope, I want the toxicity. And it's not one of those things where she meets him and then she doesn't feel chemistry. That's not what it was. They did have chemistry. Charlotte will always strike a person out for that 0.1% flaw that they have. And yeah. that's really Charlotte's MO at this point. <laughs> I know, but I hate that. He's the only love interest in this entire show that I feel like I've truly liked so far. I like yeah. him. And yeah, Steve, I like him for Miranda. So Iggy, I, I want to ask your take on this. Even like though they're trying to be progressive and how they're talking about it's not just straight and gay men anymore. Mm -hmm. It is still to some level being spoken about in binaries, right? So it's yes. like with men, it's like you've got your classic gay man, your classic hetero man. Then you have your gay straight man and then your straight gay man. And like, that's still right. a binary, right? Oh, at, for no, sure. at no point is anyone like, maybe Stefan is bisexual right. or like maybe yep. he's pansexual. Yeah. That could just be a product of the time. The other thing I was thinking though, and you're the one that will be the expert here. This is just what, you know, I've kind of seen. I do feel like even within the LGBTQIA community, there historically has been certain discounting of bisexual people and like the validity of that. Do yep. you think, because we know Darren Sir and Michael Patrick King are both gay men, do you think that is why that wasn't even kind of presented as an option or do you think something else i think like more and more there's a better understanding of how the spectrum works but definitely like in the 90s and the early 2000s i mean i can only reference it from the media that represents gay people around that time there's mm -hmm. not much to say about like bisexual people because around that time the preconceived notion was bisexuality is gonna be the <laughs> the stop that you do before being gay. I was just going to say, it's like a stepping stone. It's a soft launch of you coming out as like either gay or lesbian. I think the problem with 
bisexuality is that there's the word bi in it. And we kind of feel like that is also like a binary concept, but apparently it's more of like understanding it's a spectrum. So mm-hmm. at least I know someone that's like out and proud bisexual, but she's married to a man and like, it's not a problem. And that's the other thing. I do feel like when a bisexual person like finally settles down with someone, people mm-hmm. perceive it as like, oh, they finally made their choice. Like they're actually right. this. Because people are just so uncomfortable with- It's like, a weird thing, I think, that yeah. a lot of people feel like they need to understand exactly what people's sexual urges are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. I don't think it's quite as sinister as like people just like want to know what your sexuality is. I think people just generally want to be able to understand you and package you up in a neat right. box. Yeah. No, I agree. And like I was talking to my dad and he's like, all of these things are coming up. What What are transgender? Who is a transgender? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I basically he told me like, can't we just like use one term for everything? And I told him like, I think like you could say queer and like, I'll be fine. And he's like, oh I'm not comfortable with that but I'm like you know are you comfortable with anything so yeah like like we've just given you a solution and you just say you don't want it but that's the other thing it's like good that we have names for all of these things because whether you like it or not words manifest your reality right if you don't have a word for something you don't have a way to think or feel about it I think that piece of it is dated but I do think for 1999 it was actually very progressive it was yeah there's a, definitely an episode of Sex and the City where they talk about Carrie dating a bisexual man. So Ooh, that's going to okay. be interesting. That's good. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually very encouraging to hear that they're like building yeah. up to that. Let's talk about Miranda really quickly if y'all yeah. don't mind. I just feel so bad for Miranda in this episode. Mm. She's like clearly hurting from this breakup with Steve. She gets told this health news that isn't the worst, but like For me personally, I am extremely anxious about my health. So any health news to me is like very distressing. Although I did find out that I have hip dysplasia the other day and I mostly just thought that was funny because I was like, I thought only dogs got that, but okay. (laughs) No more jumping for treats. Oh, that's funny. Like she got this bad health news and everybody's being so flip and glib about it. How long do we think Miranda and Steve were dating? a few months but I feel like it was one of those relationships you just kind of feel like oh this might be it even though it's short term you break up and you're just like so incredibly disappointed by it I very much related to her in this episode and I felt really bad for her and I thought her friends were not being nice to her they were not being supportive at all the the most supportive thing we got is from Charlotte who says well I have a tilted uterus and to be fair Miranda is dismissive of this. Because they're talking about her thing. Yeah. No, I get it. Charlotte, it would have come up before. They're talking about her thing. And Charlotte is like adding in this kind of. What's your problem? I have a tilted uterus and you don't hear me complaining. I didn't take it like that. I took it like, I understand your woes. I have this thing too. I can see why Miranda was like, that's not helpful. Like, I think some people, the way they relate is through their own experiences. And other people are better listeners. You know what I mean? And I think. In this situation, Miranda needed someone that is just a listener and not someone that's going to relate their own experiences. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to your point, I don't want to sound so philosophical, but there are five levels of listening. Mm -hmm. And like what Charlotte did is like a level two where you relate your situations to someone and you can't be that empathic if you think about your own tilted uterus when your friend has a lazy ovary. Right. You just want to deal with that and probe and ask questions and they haven't done that. They're really shitty to Miranda. Totally. 
Really? She's like clearly distressed. You know, she makes the comment about needing a souvenir shirt. Yeah. Breaking. Nobody said anything. And Samantha gives her this like awkward pat, like Ugh, you're making everyone uncomfortable. There's literally, Kristen, like you said, an entire episode about Carrie just moping. Mm-hmm. And Carrie's, Miranda in that episode is a good friend to Carrie. Exactly. Yeah. Miranda's leading the charge to take care of Carrie. And also, can we talk about Miranda's doctor? So she yeah. tells her, you have a lazy ovary, which- With no explanation. Yeah, I mean, like, that is kind of a term, but it's a slang term for an actual disorder. And then I'm assuming gives her hormones, but like, Miranda, you're 33 and one of your ovaries isn't working and you want to have kids. Why didn't her doctor say you should probably freeze your eggs? Like, now's the time to do it. They're like, there's no eggs in Miranda's freezer yet. And it's like, well, there should be, honestly. I agree. I had a similar takeaway with the doctor more that like, when somebody's sick, you tell them the real name of the thing first before you tell them like the offensive nickname yeah i feel like this is gonna be our most philosophical episode yet yeah (laughs) yeah hope that like you know my female friends actually listen to this specific podcast and specific episode because they're in their 30s and they're talking about like wanting to have children and like these options should be things we're open to talking about and while they are expensive i mean for sure and like not everyone has insurance it's possible and right i think this is a good segue into her date with that guy yep what a miserable shit i thought the scene was funny i loved how miranda responded i actually think miranda acted perfectly on that date Mm -hmm. i don't think she did anything wrong when he first says that it brings up issues she seems interested to like see what he's going to say like interested in like a little debate they're lawyers we get it and then it's just so blatantly sexist and like hypocritical something that i thought was funny about that scene was like this is actually extremely realistic i'm sure there's a man right now on a date explaining to a woman why hair plugs are great medical science but her freezing her eggs is some kind of weird sci-fi baby oh my gosh that is such a elon musk (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and oh my god like men and you know as a cis man like a cis gay man I kind of feel like I don't really want to say much about like women's bodies because it's women's bodies by the end of the day and you know the amount especially in the landscape that we are in right now especially with Roe v. Wade and everything it's like it sounds so timely that men do have a lot to say about how women's bodies mm-hmm. work. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of opinions. Really yeah. none of their concern. Oh, anyway, we could do a whole podcast on that also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could do a whole podcast about everyone's storyline. Like I just have so many thoughts about all of them. It's true. I barely even took notes on this one because it was just like everything. Yeah. Oh my God. We'll discuss everything. I took a ton of notes. I stayed up way too late because I was just like, oh, I could probably stop here. And I'm like, no, I have to get this thought down now. I think Miranda handled herself perfectly though on that date. The guy was just fucking rude. And then she said, nope, we're not doing that. You crop dusted piece of shit. Actually researching hair plugs because I know that's the way they look, but I don't know if they grow and eventually look more normal i think that's just how they look at the beginning or do they always yeah like that? i don't 
they do and they really so i have a, an uncle who has a brother so he's not my paternal uncle and he he did plugs he got them from the u.s it looks so weird it looks like there's like a rice field of black and forever of it doesn't black. like eventually get it more does normal? it does get more normal after a couple of years like a lot okay. like a long time okay yeah. okay interesting now well it's also funny because like you can see his actual hairline in the background and it's receding but not like to a degree that hair plugs would quite be necessary yet yeah so i did think that was funny also it was pretty conical he looked very bad i like that with miranda's date the hair plugs were actually like pretty low on his forehead it's like he overcorrected and i like that they went for that to just make it look as stupid as possible (laughs) and like did you guys see how those hair transplants happen it's just like, well, mm. back then, it used to be, like, manually done. Like, each hair goes from yeah. the back of your head to the front of your head. But now, like, a robot does it. That's Oof. pretty nice and cool. But at the same time, like, you know, the effect of it, it takes, like, a good three years or something for, for yeah. it to for its full bush. Yeah. So. Totally. Well, I mean, Elon Musk has hair plugs. I would love to see the between phase before, like, I'm oh. sure it's out there. Yeah. I've Elon seen Musk. the before and I've seen the after, but I haven't seen the between. The in-between feels like... Like, you know, remember that scene when Voldemort was like turned into a baby and shriveled like <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. It kind of has that same aura. Yeah. You're like, let's talk about Samantha. Oh, Samantha. Oof. Yeah. I mean, an exaggerated but relatable tale. Yeah. Okay. The first one always breaks your heart the most. And especially yeah. for Samantha, who's like a person that's not one to fall in love, you know? I felt for her. Yeah. That guy sucked. You know, Dominic, come on. But I like the way that it ended with her. She put herself out there. You know, she's not a relationship person, but. She's also not that cold-hearted that she could do what Dominic, what Dominic easily did. does yeah. to probably a lot of women. And at the end, it's like, okay, well, she actually kind of feels good about herself. I agree. I'm sure people yeah. give her a hard time about sleeping around, but it's like, wow, she knows that she still has a soul. And like, if she wanted to be in a relationship and she met somebody and it worked, she is still able to open herself up like that. Totally. And then the other thing I liked is I just feel like as a society, I think it's getting better now, but like, we're socialized to be like oh emotions are bad like it's not good to cry it's not good to do all of these things and I specifically have my own issues with that like I'm very uncomfortable with emotions and so I really liked that that was her takeaway was you know at least I can still feel something that means that I would never do this to someone else right and I thought that was a really especially for the 90s a really positive way to speak about emotions yeah I like that Samantha was given a different side to this episode Mm -hmm. because if you didn't watch the show you wouldn't see this side of Samantha yeah no totally that's a really good flag Iggy and I think you know Kristen and I have previously been like critical where we're like this storyline would never happen to Samantha this feels like they're trying to give her something yeah this is a different storyline but I think it actually adds depth versus some of the other like just kind of out there storylines that we see where it's like she's dating this old man because he's a multi-millionaire or whatever that doesn't add any layers to her as a character whereas this one does yeah 
Right. And, and it reminds us that she, if she met somebody that she really likes, she would be in a relationship. Like she's open to it if it comes up. The only thing that I'd like to add to that is like finally an episode where Kim Cattrall doesn't have to show her tits. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could take this out of the program. Like, I kind of feel like Kim was just so severely underpaid because of the physical demands that the job has. Like, she has to be naked a lot of times and like mm-hmm. show her tits a lot of times. No, it's- we're keeping that, Iggy. We're not cutting that. <laughs> we are all so- pro Kim on this podcast. Yeah. 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 So good for Kim. Good for Samantha in this episode. Agree. Agree. Yeah. So how do you both feel about Carrie's comment about pooping at Big's place for the first time? I thought it was funny because it's very relatable. Again, it is one of those things where you're just like, everyone does it, but we don't talk about it. So it's like taboo. And especially in New York, right? She's right. The apartments are tiny. There's only one bathroom. The walls are paper thin. Like, Yeah, no, 100%. My body's also just weird about like other people being around. If I'm in like a shared Airbnb with multiple people and there's one bathroom, it is an issue for me. Not even because I'm like embarrassed subconsciously. My body's just like, no, we don't do that around company. (laughs) My God, my body was like that after I lived with all those girls in New York and we just constantly had bathroom issues because they didn't know how to plunge a toilet. My body was like, we're never using this bathroom again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that trauma. (laughs) Yeah. I was in vacation in Mexico back in November, was there with my ex and like we both got a stomach virus while we were there mm-hmm. and we were in a tiny Airbnb apartment with a single bathroom and it was just like, there's no hiding it at this point. Like, <laughs> This is just what it is. So I thought it was, and I do think it is one of those things. You really don't do it in a relationship till you're comfortable, in my opinion. On my end, like I kind of feel like as long as there's a toilet it doesn't as long as it's clean it doesn't matter to me as much and I kind of feel like my current partner is the same way but I do have an ex and he told me like oh it took him like the third visit for him to feel comfortable in my place to do that and I'm like I don't even think about it (laughs) and it kind of yeah yeah. I think it's one of those things that like just as a species we make a bigger deal out of it actually yeah and I kind of feel like that's what Lysol is invented for and what exhaust Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been living with Mitch for 13 years Mm -hmm. quarantine was really when it was like well some point Uh yeah like before then we just our schedules would just mix up at different times the only thing i'll add is i also think women are socialized differently about that stuff like with men like pooping and farting is like a funny masculine thing right it's like oh i I don't know if dudes actually say this but like i envision hey bro don't you love pooping and farting yeah me too high five (laughs) no but like just being like yeah i took the biggest shit or like whatever or like you know having farting and burping competitions i don't know i feel like for whatever reason bodily functions have been designated as masculine things when everyone does them and so i feel like women specifically are socialized to be like do not show a man that you poop or fart or do any of those things but like carrie's already farted in front of big at this point so yeah the the next logical step i'm way less embarrassed about farting in front of people and like i was raised in a household where pooping was just like a funny joke like i would i would probably go number two 
with the door open while I'm like at my sister's place. I mean, like what just if it was just her? Like right, right, right. I'm like there. Yeah. But I don't. I don't. I guess it is just one of those like deep seated things. I don't really know where my phobia comes from. Yeah, and I don't know if it's my story to tell. But I also kind of feel like don't we don't care up. about that here. No, it's not <laughs> like everyone's to... story. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, Megan, you know, my sister and she cannot fart unless it's in the bathroom. So she would have to find the bathroom, hold it in. And I don't know, like, what That's... is it that she's. Yeah. 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 It's, That's really it's truly I feel like how we're socialized. And that's also not good for you, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Listeners, don't hold your farts. It's not actually good for you. Same yeah. with poops. Also not good for you. I think every woman has had a similar experience. Well, I thought the scene was funny until we broke it down. And it was like, wait, Miranda was just talking about like her lazy ovary and how she's on hormones. And yes. then Carrie changed the subject to talk about her little purse and how everybody should be proud of her for pooping at her boyfriend's house. And in that context, you're like, wow, that was actually really rude. Yeah. No, you're totally right. When you flag that during the recap, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about it that way, but it is totally rude. Poor Miranda was just so neglected this episode. I know. It was yeah. unkind. I have some questions for y'all. Okay. What are your thoughts on giving things back after a breakup? I don't. <laughs> I sure as hell don't. So a lot of the things that I got from my exes are things of utility. So like a clean canteen, a watch, a power bank. So those things I still use to this day. Yeah. And I guess like very functional. Yeah. And now that the first ex is back into my life, he's happy that I'm actually still using the stuff that he gave to me. Aww. Oh, yeah. That's nice. That's really cute. Kristen, what are your thoughts? Until we moved in together, I didn't leave stuff at his place because we just didn't, we were kind of long distance. So I would just always have luggage or we lived two minutes away from each other in college. So there was no point. What about like giving stuff back after a breakup? I think it would really depend on like the type of breakup. I mean, I'm not in it for free stuff, so I would probably just throw it away unless we were like amicable and then I would give it back. But I can get my own stuff. I don't need somebody's yeah. garbage. Any- yes, I'm 100% keeping yeah. if it was actually a good gift. I feel mostly the same. I think anything that like somebody's leaving at my apartment is not mission critical. <laughs> If you leave yeah. a shirt, I'm probably going to keep it because unless you were like, this is my most favorite shirt ever, please let me come get it. You have to come to me though. Like this is your thing, not me. Then like, sure, I'll give it back. But otherwise I'm keeping it. Whatever. Sorry you left it. That's a night shirt now. Do you guys think with texting, it makes getting your stuff back easier? Because in the 90s, you'd have to actually call, call Carrie, somebody. get her yeah. on the phone, say, hey, can I come get my CDs? Now with texting, you're like, can you just leave it in a box by your door and I'll come by? Yeah, Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. What's great about living in Manila is you don't even have to do it. You can get a motorcycle guy to pick it up for you. Really? Just can pin the addresses and just pay and call it a day. So I feel like as long as you have those facilities available to you, or even like if it's like a couple thing and you're moving out stuff, you don't even have to be there anymore. You can just hire a truck and they will. So it's good. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like most of my breakups have happened in the home, like either at my place or at the other person's place. So like with my last one, for example, I was fairly certain 
like, cool, we're obviously breaking up. So I literally packed up all his shit and had it in a bag ready for him. I was like, take your seven gluten-free flowers and get the fuck out, you know, whatever else. Sorry, that's a very specific call out. I just like knew that was what it was going to be. So I packed up all this shit. I was like, I don't want any loose ends where we're like, can I get this or that back? And I never left anything at his apartment. I lived in a gross boy apartment. Why would I want my stuff there? <laughs> he lives in a nicer apartment now. And then like another ex, we broke up when I was at his house. And I did have some like clothes and stuff there, night shirts and stuff because I stayed fairly regularly. I think he actually did give me a drawer now that I think about it. I hadn't thought about it in a while. But yeah, when we broke up, I just packed all my shit immediately and was like, cool, bye. And he was like, you don't have to do that right now. And I was like, "Mm, we're broken up. I do. So I'm getting my shit and leaving. Yeah. And we did end up getting back together, but we broke up. Not because of anything bad. It was just Mm -hmm. life circumstances. But yeah, I feel like when a breakup happens, I'm like, I'm cutting the loose ends. I'm not leaving my shit anywhere. They're not leaving their shit here. I don't want any like dumb excuses for you to try and come over to my house or vice versa. (laughs) Agreed. But yeah, I feel like it depends. There's been some gifts that I got that are like gifts that I don't like. So to be petty, I give it back. Somebody gave me a really bad perfume that I fucking hated. And I gave that back when we broke up. I was like, this perfume fucking sucks. Give it to your grandma. <laughs> Listen, your girl is angry sometimes. <laughs> so if it's like bad gifts that I didn't like anyway, I'll give it back just to be like a petty bitch about it. Otherwise, I'll usually just keep it. Or like I could see somebody leaving something and me actually liking it and then being like, can I have this bag? And being like, sorry, I think it's lost. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it is. Yeah. I think the only time when it gets very, very hairy if it's if there's like a jewelry situation. But other mm. than that, like it's pretty okay. And if you're, for example, a photographer and you left your prized camera at your excess, you're a dumb photographer. Sure. So. Yeah, like you're yeah. just dumb for that. I only date poor men, so jewelry has never been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> poor poor or inconsiderate men (laughs) not taking notes from samantha you should have at least two bathrooms and you know (laughs) you know having two bathrooms is pretty clutch i have to say (laughs) yeah i mean we're talking about real estate here and i feel like the only place in the philippines where i saw that my friend she has a powder room and it's pretty nice and pretty quite toity, but she's a literal princess from Malaysia. So wow. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Well, then. <laughs> My other question for y'all is do we think that they chose the name Stefan for Charlotte's love interest because it does kind of feel like a stereotypically gay name? Yeah. I think so too. A hundred percent. While we're talking about the intro of Stefan, he asked mm-hmm. about the expression cat's pajamas. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a very fancy brand of pajama that cats was the oh. name. And so that's where the expression, oh. like, you're the cat's pajamas is like, you're like the Louis Vuitton bag or something. All right, then. That's good to know. I love that you looked into that. No, that's that's actually just something I know. I've heard. Oh, it's just like a thing that you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have never heard that explanation. That's really interesting. So let's jump to the segments. Okay. First up is nostalgia. Iggy, do you want to go first? I guess the concept of a scrunchie. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to foreshadow it, but there is a big hate towards Crunchies for the entire Sex and the City franchise. It's like, oh, if yeah. you're a Crunchy girl, you're a dumb or you're <laughs> from the back alley. You're not the cat's pajamas. <laughs> oh, okay. We're so, the cat's litter box, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but there's definitely like a new aesthetic now with people like, okay, I wear what I wear at home mm-hmm. and Crunchies are becoming a thing now again. So Totally. Yeah. The Gen Z are bringing it back for sure yeah i actually had the same note scrunchies but more of the hate for scrunchie because scrunchies were like the big 80s thing and then in this era it was just those little elastic hair ties but now scrunchies Mm -hmm. are back and i do love a scrunchie that was very nostalgic where it was like yeah at that time it would have been horrifying to wear a big fluffy scrunchie in your hair that's really funny For nostalgia, we touched on this, so I'll I'll keep it light, but just the straight gay man, gay straight man idea. And even with additional nuance, just still the lack of nuance, if that makes sense. I think that was super progressive for the time. But now looking back, it's like, that thing's blatantly offensive. It's just, it doesn't hold up as well. And I think that is nostalgic. And I think we've talked about this one in other episodes, but Charlotte hailing the cab and even being like, oh, you got to show a little leg. Well, yeah. I don't I don't think people would like people saying the leg part anymore and to like and also just hailing a cab. I was like, gonna say it's like so yeah. hard to get a cab now. Getting in a car without an app first, locating yeah. it is such a bizarre concept to me. Like I used to do it all the time in DC in my first couple of years in New York. There are just like, way less cabs now. So like yeah, even if you yeah. want to, I mean, I've done it a couple of times recently, but I feel like it's hard really, to find one. You can probably really only do it in Manhattan. In like very select yeah, parts at certain times. Exactly. So the other one is hair plugs. I remember hair club for men commercials used to be on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. feel like hair plugs are kind of a thing. But then the big one is really random. But again, Mitch was in and out of the room. The second time I was watching it in the title sequence, there's a shot of somebody on a bike cutting between cars, obviously a bike messenger. And then Mitch and I were just having a really long nostalgic discussion about bike messengers because that was a New York thing. Thing where there was a guy in spandex and he would get the paperwork and like courier it uptown and like mm-hmm. sketching on buses and everything mm-hmm. and how they changed the insurance requirements of those companies. So that doesn't exist at all anymore. And it's actually really annoying because just yesterday at work, I was trying to get a sign printed and I wanted it messengered. Mm-hmm. It was across the city and it was going to be $137 for like out. a piece of fabric that like $30 to print it, $135 to courier it. It's like, where is the bike messenger to just bring it over? Oh my gosh, that's a good one. Yeah, now that you've mentioned bike, actually in the book of Sex and the City, there was an entire chapter dedicated to men who bike. But there's a quote there that basically because people are seeing these really handsome guys doing the bike thing and you mm-hmm. know people are following suit. So yeah, that's a good catch. That's really funny. See, this is how we know you're a super fan, Iggy. You've read the book even. Yeah. Yeah. We've given Candace no time on this podcast. (laughs) Candace Bushnell for our listeners. That is the creator of Sex and the City, which is based off a book. Should we talk fashion? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I want to start with the first concept that Samantha did. She said that she has to dress for it. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me so much of Princess Diana's revenge dress. The mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looked really great in that dress. It was a good one. Right? 
ever since the 90s, we always have this thinking that we need to find something for a specific occasion. And it doesn't have to be like a very big thing. It has, it can be something petty, like seeing your ex again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Were there any styles that specifically stood out to you, Iggy? Not so much a style or a fashion, but really just me being baffled by Sarah Jessica Parker's hair and yeah. <laughs> the and the law of thermodynamics and the fact that volume of hair can be taken care of by that small of a hair dryer. Not even a Dyson can do that. So Yeah. Yeah, it is funny. I never use a hair dryer, and now I actually have a real one. But for a good chunk of my adulthood, I only had a travel hair dryer, and it's mm-hmm. like that tiny little guy that does not dry your hair. That was only for oh. like blasting the bangs or something that it would work. Also, for. like every time she's drying her hair, her hair's already dry because she's been yeah. at it for like six hours. I guess. Also, <laughs> do we think that she has extensions? Because yes, she has. Cur- curly hair right and like so obviously when you straighten it's gonna be a bit longer but like not that much longer it looks like extensions I think it has to be extensions because it's Mm -hmm. been straight for the past two episodes and it's been shorter right yeah so I don't think you can go back and forth yeah Yeah. she must have extensions in Kristen what fashions did you notice the only thing I noticed was she was wearing the purple robe when she's hanging around and I really like that robe it's purple with like bright color flowers hours uh-huh it's actually mentioned in it before the, i mentioned it last time i saw it and then she was wearing it in the preview for this episode on hbo mm-hmm. and i was like "Ooh, i hope i get to see the robe again and i did that's, that's the highlight of the entire episode is the robe also the accessory that goes with everything sjp has great abs And I found myself a little annoyed because they show them eating a lot, but I think we've seen her at like one or two yoga classes, only half paying attention to be shredded like that. Like, come on. I know. Come on. You don't got any bloat. You're not just like rolling around doing yoga and talking about boys. I know. You're in the gym. She looked really good in this episode. I also noticed the abs and I was like, couldn't be me, but love that for you, SJP. She had a bit um, of a tan going too. Yeah. I really liked her outfit that she wore at the bar, which was that green crop and then the long skirt. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cute look. I also think Samantha's dress that she wore for her date with Dominic, she obviously mm-hmm. looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. We love a classic black dress and it was backless and very sexy. I feel like backless was like really big in the 90s. I'm too chesty for backless, but I do I like the look. The same thing. And then I didn't think anything was particularly special about this dress, but Charlotte's wearing this light green dress. The one that Stefan's like, ooh, is it that designer? And she's like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Rowley. Cynthia Rowley, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that it was, you know, a super notable dress. I actually don't really like that color, but I did think it was a good color on Charlotte. I thought she looked nice in it. I really like that gag because he kisses her and then looks right down at her chest. And it's like, ooh, is that Cynthia Rowley? <laughs> it's like he was checking out her boobs, but then got distracted by her dress. Let's jump to the problematic. I think we've talked about the things that I have a decent amount. So I'll just put it out there. Just like the gay straight guy straight yep. gay guy yep, thing. That's what I have would not hold up anymore. I guess the gay, straight, guy, straight, gay guy thing is kind of different, but it's like now we actually have terms for a lot of this stuff. So it's much easier actually to discuss it or to think Mm -hmm. about what he might be. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Agree. I think what happened between then and now is like there was metrosexual and I don't know. If I that- was just going to bring that up. Oh my goodness. We're on the same wavelength, Iggy. Yeah. But what I personally think about the entire thing is it's Charlotte's idea of Stefan played into her head and not mm-hmm. Stefan being Stefan. Mm-hmm. Those things are exaggerations of what a gay straight man is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah, no, I was going to bring up metrosexual as well. I think, you know, in 1999, we're probably still a few years out from that term. Yeah. I think that really came about in the first generation of Queer Eye, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And... Wow, I just put two and two together. Metrosexual, because there's city guys that are like around culture and in a big metropolitan area. Yeah. Woof, we're learning things today. Yeah, but actually in in this side of the world, metrosexual became a pun as well, because metro in our language is a meter, you know? So so the joke is like, you're a meter away from being homosexual. So that's problematic. (laughs) That is. It's funny though. Other problematic things that I'm just kind of thinking about now is, again, just how dismissive they were of Miranda's issues. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was not cute. And then just the way that Dominic was just a real piece of shit yeah. was yeah. also problematic. The other minor thing that I have is mouse glue traps. You shouldn't use mm. mouse glue traps because it doesn't kill the mouse and they'll rip off their legs and they suffer. If you have a yeah. mouse, an actual kill trap is more humane. You get those once they run in. Honestly, though, Ugh, okay, Kristen, we've talked about this before. I had a mouse. I mean, every apartment building in New York has mice. It's just like what it is. But I had a mouse in my last apartment in New York that was particularly audacious and fucking rude. He would come out even when I was just like awake and I was like, city mouse. How fucking dare you at least have the decency to hide in the shadows? I forgot about that guy. And I was trying to kill this fucking mouse for. I don't know, weeks or months. It was a long time. He was causing me a lot of stress. And mice are so smart, actually, especially Mm -hmm. New York mice that like it didn't matter. Like I remember at first I was like, oh, let me put a nice treat on the death trap so that at least he's eating something nice before he dies. I'll put some Nutella on there. This mouse doesn't give a shit, but didn't work. Ate all the Nutella off of it. Didn't get snapped. I got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to get glue traps because I don't give a shit. I'm so angry at this mouse. I will murder it Mm. with my own hands. (laughs) And I didn't end up doing that. The building ended up coming in and patching up the hole. And yeah, I'm sure there's still mice in that apartment now because those patches don't last very well. But I agree we shouldn't use glue traps, but I feel like you can get pushed to a point where you're like, I don't give a shit if this mouse chews his own leg off and bleeds out. Whoa. I mean, that's what happens. (laughs) Honestly, though, yeah, I guess as a last resort, maybe. But now you have two cats, so they'll slowly torture the mouse way more than a glue trap. (laughs) And we're talking about evolution here, right? And Mm -hmm. one of the things that rodents evolve to understand what a trap is and they will shy away from it and they grow up to be like that. So that's why rat poison has to reformulate every year or so. Mm -hmm. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing with the glue trap because it just looks like a piece of floor. That's why they're so effective. They're literally the most effective of the Mm -hmm. traps. Yeah. And then like, if you give them poison, then you have a dead mouse in your wall that could be causing smells and stuff. 
I don't know. I got way too into like mouse murder when I had that mouse in my apartment. It was very stressful for me. Glad you're not living there anymore. I know. Well, it was like every apartment I lived in in New York had a mouse at one point. Every office building I was in in New York had mice. Yeah. Like it's just what it is to be in New York. And like Kristen, I think like you mentioned, you've always had cats. So that has probably kept it at bay for you. But it was a studio apartment. So the kitchen was right next to my bed. So you yeah. hear everything. Whereas you can have a certain level of distance from it when you're in your bedroom and it's just doing its thing in the kitchen, even though it's gross. So if you do use a glue trap, kill the mouse. I know people who would just throw the mouse away and it's stuck in the glue trap. And that is really bad. But if you're going to use the glue for catching it, you should finish the deed. Yeah. My old roommates in New York, we had a mouse in the kitchen there as well, because again, New York. I was either out of town or I don't know what happened, but they ended up using the glue traps for the same reason. They tried a bunch of other stuff and it just didn't work. And they tried to kill it by like dropping a big book on it and then they just wouldn't die. When I had a mouse in my apartment in Atlanta, I wasn't home. My brother threw a towel over it and just stomped it with its foot. And then he threw the towel in the bathtub and was like, hey, there's a dead mouse in your bathtub. (laughs) I had like the hockey puck traps that he never the uh, mouse only came like occasionally and my brother yeah. saw it and just stomped it yeah wow how did that's... he manage it with a towel no idea i'm he still in so shock quick that he saw it threw a towel over it stomped it texted me and said there's a dead mouse in your bathtub and i thought civil had killed it or something and then when he told me the whole story later i was just like oh wow it's the ideal way to kill a mouse but i am still to this day unsure how he pulled that off Hey, like if we have listeners who are like 14, 15, thinking about moving to the city, that's a reality that you're going to have to face, right? There's just mice everywhere, especially in New York. Yeah. You're going to see rats very regularly in the street. Honestly, you become numb to the rats after a while. As long as they're not in your apartment and you're like, ah, well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sometimes there'll be a rat in the subway cart with you. And yes, it's best not to freak out. Yeah, they can smell fear. Let's talk about what holds up. Okay, what really holds up for me is the fact that gay districts still exist. And I feel like I hope that they would still exist today. Right now, I'm unofficially living in the gay city here in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of like high rises and like a lot of the yuppies work here. So if you're a guy who lives in this area, you're gay until proven otherwise. (laughs) That's how... It's like the coffee shop is basically like a stare down and grinder is basically like the official I am tool out here. And it's not just about finding like-minded people. It's about having a safe space. And I hope that that still continues to this day. Totally agree. That's a good one, Iggy. Kristen, what about you? The concept of Samantha's storyline, the one that got away, Mm -hmm. that you think like, oh, I'm totally over him. And then you start spending time with him and realizing that like, oh, I actually am falling for this person again. I think that's pretty relatable, even if they are still an asshole. And then the whole biological clock thing for people that want kids, you know, you find out something about yourself or just that you have to start thinking about it and have to start partnering with somebody. Mm-hmm. Those are good ones. I like that. Yeah, lowering your standards because you're getting older and you're like, right. oh, I shouldn't shouldn't rule anybody out. Exactly. 
I said in relationships, folks having differing views on ideal kind of living situations and space and like that kind of thing, I think is still a thing that you just kind of have to figure out on a relationship by relationship basis. Maybe less so now because we do have these other more encompassing terms and things, but sometimes you do have confusion about folks like sexual orientation and you're like, does this person just want to be friends with me? Are they like actually attracted to me? Like what is this? (laughs) I think that that can still happen from time to time. And then Kristen, I said the same thing as you about Samantha, just kind of like being fucked up by your first love, even years later Mm -hmm. and it just kind of having an impact on you. This whole episode was very relatable. I agree. I agree. 100%. All right, Kristen, how did we land the Bechdel test? So every episode, I like to see if the episode passes the Bechdel test, which is a test from an actual comic strip by the artist Alison Bechdel. And it's basically testing media by the parameters that there are two female identifying characters who have a conversation for more than about two lines about something other than a guy. So I was excited about this one because it does pass. We have a conversation where Miranda is talking about her lazy ovary and Samantha asks if she has a good gynecologist. And yeah, so there's quite a few back and forth lines about that. Yeah. I think also later when Miranda's talking about taking hormones, that would pass too. Mm -hmm. So this is the first one that we've had a true pass on since we've been doing this. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Are we ready for Hero and Villain of the Week? Mm-hmm. Iggy, you want to go first? It, it's a toss-up, but I feel like I do like Miranda, but I feel like Samantha is my hero for this week. Okay. Um, not because yeah. of anything other than the fact that like, hey, you know, I still have feelings. And mm-hmm. it's, I think, early on in the series when the critics are coming out with by saying that it's just a bunch of gay guys being played out by women. I think they were referring to Samantha's character and having this pivot was really Mm -hmm. good for her. Ooh, okay. That's a good answer. That's a really good one. What about villain? I guess like Charlotte can really go fuck herself. And I find it to be personally funny because I do have a friend I've told you before who was a self-confessed Charlotte. And a lot of... And there are definitely like things that she would say like, okay, I don't like a guy because he's this or because he's that. And not that it's necessarily a big deal breaker for her, but I could see where the problematic part is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kristen, what about you? So I went with Miranda as the hero for a lot of reasons. Mainly, she has a lot of blows dealt to her in this episode. But, you know, she's being responsible. She's putting herself back out on the market after a breakup. And she's not really getting a lot of support from her friends. So I I just commend her for thinking about things like she gets the bad news about her ovary and starts taking hormones as being responsible, attempts to get back into the dating scene. And then she realizes that she's not really ready for that. She takes a step back. So I think she's doing a good job with some self-care. All right. Good Um, answer. For villain, I also chose Charlotte for the same reasons as Iggy. She really was not great in this one. Agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have a unanimous Charlotte is the villain. All right. From the three of us. 
Same things. Charlotte, for a lot of the same reasons that you two were saying, I don't like that she would rather have toxic masculinity in her life Mm -hmm. than a man who's in touch with his emotions and kind to her, but is afraid of a mouse. Like what a fucking stupid reason to not be with someone. I just hated that. And then I also said Miranda was the hero. Again, Kristen, for similar reasons. She was just having a hard time this episode, but she was being proactive, trying to like do things to make her situation better, even when her friends were not being supportive. And I think considering all of the things going on in her life, she was actually less negative than we sometimes see her about things. Yeah. And I thought that showed some growth and I liked that. And I also love that she stuck it to that guy when he was like criticizing her about freezing her eggs and was like, fuck you, you have hair plugs. That's the (laughs) synopsis version of what she said. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Iggy, I do like your answer about Samantha. I think I didn't pick Samantha just because... I liked the outcome of it, which was that she realized that she has emotions and that's a good thing. And I think that's just generally kind of a progressive view. But I think just the idea of getting revenge. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would probably be exactly the same, but doesn't mean it's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my partner and my friends know how petty I am. So (laughs) I guess that sticks to my character. (laughs) I know. I'm not like usually a super petty person, but I feel like with exes and relationships, I definitely can be. As you guys saw with the seven flowers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Seven hey, it's justified flowers. a lot of times it's justified pettiness i that's agree true. that's true all right let's jump into ratings so this is the part of the show where we rate the show on the quality of the sex the quality of the city and the episode overall iggy would you like to go first so let's go with the sex I kind of feel like for me, it's a solid three. We're going for a rating out of five, right? Correct. So three out of five, because I like the sensuality of the scene and share. Mm -hmm. So that's a good mix. And I also feel like it's playing into Charlotte's fantasy of lovemaking and Mm -hmm. sex. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a good, yeah. But it's definitely not one of those that will knock your socks off or the cat's pajamas, as they say. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, so for the city, I think it's a solid one and a half, honestly. Like, oh, just just because okay. like there's not enough city that's being shown. It's obvious that like a lot of it is, are shot in studios, mm-hmm. and yeah. also that scene played out with rat with a rat. I guess it's you know it's putting it down. Definitely, there are other episodes that show the city a whole lot better. Interesting. Okay. What about overall for the episode? So so overall, let's just, I honestly think it's a good four just because the plot has so much relatability. And it's one of those episodes that I could easily watch with my girlfriends, with my female friends, and we would Mm -hmm. all have something to pick at it and like it by the end of the day. Sure. All right. Interesting scores. I like it. Kristen, what about you? Well, I think Iggy and I are in agreement about a lot of this. For sex, I gave it a 3.5 because I did think that the Charlotte scenes were actually some of the best shot, most like good sex, sexy scenes the show has had. Uh Um, And then even Samantha's scenes, it's minus a couple points because we know that Dominic is such a piece of crap, but like Samantha laying in bed bed calling Carrie like afterwards and just kind of relaxing that like post-coital shine so I liked that 
Good, for good, city, good. I gave it a one. Yeah, I'm glad you called out. A lot of those restaurants were not real restaurants. Yeah, There was like something going on that those were sets and I did not like that. There wasn't really that much city and I was just disappointed that they couldn't film like in real New York restaurants. And then overall, I gave it a four because it was a good episode. It was very entertaining and there wasn't anything super problematic. All right. Interesting. Okay. Let's hear your rating. I gave sex a four. Um, I think similar to you, Kristen, Iggy, I think you have more historical knowledge so you can kind of see the full picture, but Kristen and I have only seen up to this point. So everything we've seen so far, it's definitely the best in terms of sex. Like we see so much just awkward uncomfortable sometimes like a little bit gross sex in this show oh, they love a gross yeah. sex show. yeah that i'm like amazing we finally have something like kind of steamy and i love share so i thought it was fun that it was playing in the background and yeah and then i also think even though dominic is a piece of shit they had some steamy scenes and like yeah, yeah i i also liked the post-coital phone call in the morning i actually gave city a 3.5 mm-hmm. but like not because of the locations but just because of the essence of things that are very new york in my opinion like Mm -hmm. the mouse in the apartment the fact that he lives in this nice nice apartment but he still has a fucking mouse yeah is peak new york peak Um. new york carrie talking about new york apartments being tiny with only one bathroom and all that i was like yes also peak New York. And then I think, you know, they at least mention other neighborhoods like Chelsea and stuff, which I feel like they're usually just like uptown or downtown. And the other piece is Kristen, like you mentioned, the bike messenger in the beginning. I feel like that is, you know, it's no longer in existence, but mm-hmm. also a specifically New York thing that I don't think you but really- But that's at the beginning of cities. every episode. I know, but you called it out this time <laughs> and I'm going for it because that's I cool. think there's that's a totally lot good. of New York things. And like, obviously my scoring is biased this time because I have my own trials with a mouse. Mm-hmm. That I was like, yes, yep. this is what living in New York is like. And I liked that we often see the glitz and glamour of New York, but we don't often see the pitfalls. And I think that's par for the course, right? There's the glitz and yeah. glamour, and there's also the things that aren't that great. And I think it's cool they showed the stuff that's not that great. Yeah. Good Would you give up the yeah. overall score? Overall, gave it a four. I really liked the episode. I think for the time, it was very progressive. And there was something for everyone, like Iggy mentioned, for each of the storylines. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the end of our show. Thank you all for listening. And Iggy, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really great conversation. Before we go, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah. So... Well, Kristen, Megan, thank you so much for the time. And I kind of feel like it's so nice that I'm finally part of the conversation rather than just hearing about it. So I'm really, really glad. I really hope this won't be the last. And I kind of feel like it really am foreshadowed. It won't be the last. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, what I do want to plug is that I am coming out with my own podcast. So I did record an episode with Megan and it's called How to Be 30. And I'm looking forward to getting a lot of like 30-something people because we make up most of the population now. And Mm -hmm. I want you to get a grip as to what's happening with your life. And maybe I'll give you a point of view that you might not have heard of and just, you know, wash off the hangover from your 20s. So yeah, looking forward to hearing from everyone on that one. 
I love wash off the hangover from your 20s. That's really funny. That's great. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. I'm excited. Well, that's the end of our show. We hope you join us next week when we discuss season two, episode 12, La Deleur Exquise. Beautiful. Please rate and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Pod or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Please tell your friends, whether they're Sex in the City fans or critics or just people that want to listen to a fun podcast. If you have any thoughts or comments you want to share with us, you can email us or send us a message on Instagram. You can find both of our handles in the show notes notes and if we get any comments we will try and read them on the podcast until next time bye everyone bye